This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. You know, Rossi, thanks so much for coming back on Talk Your Book. Really appreciate your time. I thought before we get into your stock choice, you could start with Sphere Asset Management and a bit of your overall investment philosophy. Great, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Um, well, Sferia, we're a bit boring, actually. We sort of believe in uh, old school things like valuation and cash flow and that when you invest, you have to invest through the cycle. And times can be good, as we've had over the last 10 years, really. And times can be a bit tougher, as we've had over the last couple of months. And, and you really need to uh, have a, a process and a philosophy that endures through the cycle for investors. Because... Um, drawdowns are brutal. You know, if you halve, then you're going to make back 100% of your money back. It's, it's a very tough arithmetic. And, and obviously, our capital preservation is very important. So we focus on valuation. We use a consistent valuation framework. We focus on free cash flow and the conversion of P&L earnings to cash profit. And we also look for good industries and balance sheets. And it's about just being disciplined, valuation-focused, and, and doing lots of work on stocks before we invest. Now, we'll get into your stock pick in just a second. Market's been really volatile at the minute. What sort of cash levels are you holding in this sort of a, a, a market climate? We tend not to play uh, cash. We, we let our clients do that. Um, so yeah. currently we're actually pretty low. We've only got about 3% because we, we saw some really good opportunities in January to start picking up some growth names. Um, the only time we've cashed up is, is in COVID. When we, we saw COVID pretty early, and so we, saw, we cashed up into that in February. Um, 220, um, but um, generally we stay from invested. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've got plenty of stocks that um, you could term them value, but certainly are holding up well because they have good valuation support. And so we can use them to fund anything we want to buy on the other side. Gotcha. And what stock did you want to walk us through today? Well, given the climate and, and it seems to be a sea change in markets. I thought, you know, Inogen might be a good one to look at. Inogen being what was once quite a high-flying glamour stock and a small cap, actually, uh, and now is on its knees as a little neglected micro cap. And what's the helicopter view of, of Inogen? So Inogen are uh, a market leader in their product, which, which I'll describe in a minute. But the helicopter view really is that COVID has been a disaster for them. Uh, and you can buy the market leader for a market cap of 650 mil, but then they've got about 245 million US cash. So really for about an EV of four to 450 mil, you own the market leader and quite a nice growth segment in, uh, in healthcare. So I think those opportunities come along pretty rarely. And so we dig into their, their product range and, and whatnot in a bit more detail in a second, but they're very much... From the outside, feel like a turnaround story. They're down sort of 85, almost 90 percent from their high in 2018. Broadly speaking, when you look at turnaround stories, do you treat it differently to a stock that's you know constantly growing profitability year after year? How do you sort of view these these stories when you look at them? Yeah, I guess you need to be careful that nothing's broken or there's no structural change, um, and that's always a risk. In some ways, healthcare is a little bit easier because 
um, you can get a sense of what the physicians are thinking and, and you know, what the gold standard of treatment still is, uh, as opposed to consumer taste that can be a bit fickle. You know, brand might be broken, for instance. Um, but I quite like it. I find particularly the US market more than nearly any other. They tend to chuck stocks out that were once glamour stocks. So my, mm. my favourite example is Regeneron. Um, in 2015, it was a very high-flying stock. Had a new heart drug, which name I forget now. Um, and every hedge fund was there. It was a bit of a hedge fund hotel. Right, everyone was along this thing. And then it just fizzled, and everyone dumped it and moved on to the next thing. And so you know, more than halved. And if you looked at it in um, you know 2018, it was trading under 300 pretty neglected, no one paying much attention, and now it's back over 600 again. So I quite like that as a play in healthcare, is just pick over the bones for stocks that were once really high flies and probably are still very good quality names, but, you know, that EPS momentum isn't there and, you know, it's not going to deliver the beat and raise every quarter and so the hedge funds are like, ah, boring, see you later. Talking through Energen's product range, mentioned in the healthcare space, what are their, what are their products? And what sort of ailments do they look to uh, look to assist with? They are the leader, in, uh, leading maker of portable oxygen concentrators. So this is for people on oxygen therapy, and most people in oxygen th therapy have COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, which is a catch-all phrase for a heap of respiratory ailments, including emphysema, for instance. Um, and so, particularly if you're on oxygen therapy you would have an oxygen tank and you have tubing connected up to you and you know, a certain flow rate of oxygen. Um, problem is, lugging around an oxygen tank is quite cumbersome. And for about 80% of the people who are on oxygen and are still mobile, um, they would like an alternative. And that alternative is the portable oxygen concentrator, which effectively takes oxygen out of the air, condenses it and, and, and gives it to you. Uh, so what's interesting about it is it's, it's actually quite a difficult product because you want it to be lightweight, you want to have a good battery, you want to be uh, quiet, it has to get a certain flow rate, has to be reliable, easy to use. So you can see why there's quite uh, many things that could differentiate your product from the competitors. Now, Inogen reckon, why in the past I've said they're as high as 50% of the market, now, you know, as, as a good fund manager, we should be a little bit cynical of that. I'm not sure it's quite that high, but it's fair to say that they're the leader. And number two is most likely Respironics, which many of your listeners would know from um, Resnick as its key competitor. And then it trails away. Uh, again, some CPAP producers also do oxygen. Um, ResMed made a big song and dance about portable oxygen concentrators a few years back with the Moby. Uh, and effectively, it's just another product they can sell to these HMN distributors in the US, right? So that's why they're there. Uh, they then have tiered products. So they've got names like the G4 and the G5, which is kind of like your private jet, Chris. <laughs> I wish. It goes up in terms of, you know, flow rate, power, longevity of the battery, uh, and, and so forth. Um, 
What's quite interesting about energy is that a lot of it is self-pay. Yeah. So a lot of people buy this product because they like the flexibility. What type of a check do you write out for one of these products? They're not cheap, but most people rent them. Okay. And, and so Medicare pay about 45 bucks a month to rent it. Um, I think as an individual, if you're just stumping up yourself, you're probably paying close to 70 a month. I think that's a sticker price for, in, for Medicare. And it depends what device you want, but, you know, it goes into the thousands. I'm surprised COVID was such a, a challenging period for them, given the, the fact that they help with respiratory ailments. What was it around COVID that made it so problematic? Most of their patients are oldies. They want to go visit their grandkids or go on a holiday or do a bit of gardening. And with COVID, obviously, they stayed home. Yeah. So that need for mobility had diminished. And so many of their patients were happy to sit at home with a tank. And uh, many of these HMEs or these people that actually distribute and set patients up with, with oxygen prefer the oxygen model because that's what they're geared up to. They're, they're geared up to deliver tanks. And effectively, they get paid to deliver them. So it was just a lack of mobility meant that oldies were not leaving home. Uh, and then uh, once that had started to wane and you saw growth rates really start to kick up again, Energen then got hit with a semiconductor shortage, which I'm sure you've heard you know, many managers and companies talk about. Uh, and that, they actually called that out relatively early. Um, they used the semiconductors in their, you know, their motherboards and also the, um, the batteries. So that has then capped you know, how, how much demand they can meet. So the demand is there, it's very clear, but they're having trouble pumping out enough systems. So if you sort out the microchip supply chain issues, do you know, the effects of people who've been through COVID coupled with the opening up of the economy and people wanting to get out and visit people, do you think that that headwind can potentially become a tailwind? Absolutely. So I think the underlying demand is there. Um, you've seen glimpses of it. And also the company, because uh, they have limited supply that they can give the market, they've, they've switched where they're giving it to. So they're giving it to the higher margin, better customers, and those are growing very, very well. Um, but overall, the growth isn't as good as it should be because they're having to skimp on other areas of the market, not supply certain parts of the market. What geographies are they currently operating in? So it's about um, 75, 80% US. And then Western Europe is quite big as well. But they're, they're, they're in a lot of countries. They're in the Middle East, they're in Asia. But Western Europe is quite good. Um, countries like, I think it's the UK and France have quite good reimbursement for oxygen. So they're quite big there. Um, but it's very much a US business at this stage. And they've been growing pretty strongly in terms of top line. Talk us through maybe their, their top line growth over the last five years and, and maybe when you think they'll, they'll get back to profitability. It's interesting because when you look at when it was a glamour stock, the, the, they were adding a lot of sales force, right? So just adding industry. And you see this happen a lot in the US in particular, again, where they just start, they say, okay, we've got a great market opportunity, let's just hire salespeople and they'll get used car salesmen and you know, you name it. Um, and then inevitably that kind of goes wrong. But the market looks like it's growing low double digit. 
as the penetration of portable oxygen concentrates increases, it's then a matter of market share. And that, that's going to that's going to wax and wane depending on your product cycle. So the latest product thing they released, the G5 in 2019. Um, and much like a resonator, you'll see, you know, when they launch a new product, they tend to grab a bit of share and, and then give some back as, as that gets long in the tooth. But you should be expecting top line growth of, of double digit. And then, you know, what, what's happened there is you basically had that really big run up with the sales reps that ended in disaster. It rolled over and then you had COVID hit and now you've had the semiconductor issue hit. So you can see why you just had a lot of kicks to stock and why a lot of people now have moved on and thought, oh, too hard. And what are their growth initiatives are you most excited about? Is it geographical expansion, new products? What, what gets you most excited about this company over the next two or three years? I mean, I think it is just really a return to, um, to normality. I mean, the, at their peak, they were making, I think it was 38 million of EBIT. You know, so you're talking about a company with a 450 million EV uh, growing double digits. It's, it starts to stack up pretty well. But since then, the market's most likely grown, particularly to save the COVID. Unfortunately, a lot of people are now being prescribed oxygen therapy as a result. So, you know, you're seeing really good market growth. Um, they're doing a lot better on the rental side. So in the past, they had much more of a focus of actually selling the machines, whereas now they've, they've really worked out, well, actually, it's harder to sell someone this big piece of equipment. It's quite easy to get them to rent it because it's much less of a commitment. And so they're getting really good conversion. And also from that, you're getting much better recurring revenue too. So that's growing very strongly. Um, international is growing strongly. And then they've also had a bit of a play into ventilation and made an acquisition. And so you see potential of them creeping into ventilation, which as you know, um, is a pretty concentrated market between you know, Respironics and ResMed there. So potential for them to start encroaching there as well. And you touched on their cash balance, like a bit north of 200 million bucks or so, which is pretty good for a company this size. Can you see other bolt-on acquisitions being in play, and if so, do you think they'll more than likely be expanding in that ventilation space? I, I think so. I mean, they're, they're quite mum about it. They, they haven't given a lot of detail to the market about it, but um, they, they do mention M&A, but they have been quite disciplined, which is good, um, because we think there's a lot of organic growth for them. But... What's interesting about this company is, you know, you've got ResMed and Respironics. They are very fearful of these HMEs because they're so reliant on them. Whereas Energen are kind of free from that shackle. And, and they go a lot, a lot of their sales are direct to consumer. And they don't really care as much about these HMEs. They don't mind pissing them off. And I think that is really an opportunity for this company is where ResMed and Respironics have to be very fearful about what they do and any repercussions to be seen to be competing with them uh, or, or, or marginalising the HMEs. Energen really have no fear of that. And I think that could create opportunities um, to, to grow. And is there a logical acquirer of Energen? You know, it wouldn't be a huge ticket size for some of the bigger healthcare companies over in the States. No, I mean... I mean, ResMed is a classic example. I mean, they made a big summer dance about portable oxygen concentrators and then they went quiet. I'm not sure uh, if part of that was you know, games being played with Respironics, um, but they certainly made a big 
fussed about it and then they went nowhere. So they've obviously struggled to crack the market. So I would have thought for them, if they can, if they can just um, give up on SaaS for a minute and you know that fancy software is buying, um, then and go back to their roots, then I think this is a really good acquisition for them. Uh, and I think they'd be seen as a hero by the HMEs because what they could do with it is then, you know, sort of walk back from that direct to consumer and, and go back to the HMEs with it, and and be seen as a hero of the HMEs. Um, that are so important for their obstructive sleep apnea products. So I think I think ResMed are a very logical acquirer for them. We we don't we don't invest in companies on that basis. Um, but ultimately, if you see an option like this, you'd think it your value gets realized one way or another. And I think being taken out is definitely a possibility. And you mentioned at the start of this chat how you didn't have a lot of tech exposure and, and tech companies are being whacked. Probably the hardest out of, of any um, type of stock in the current climate. Where does this sort of fit in, in stocks you're comfortable with? Do you feel it's got the potential to perhaps fit in more of that value bucket that, that's, that's holding up better in the, the current climate along with commodities? And are they the sort of opportunities you're looking at most closely at the minute? It's interesting because it kind of, you know, it doesn't tick the box in terms of being profitable. No. But it was profitable. And then mm. COVID has kind of hit it. So it, it's not really the type where it's like, I can just grow revenue at all costs and make losses forever. It's more just depressed earnings. And that's why it's loss making. So it's interesting what, how the market thinks of it. But I think given the strength of the balance sheet and, and given um, that the explanation for the losses is, is clear, I would have thought the market would look at this as a semi-value contrarian play. And it has held up very well in January and February when other stocks have been melting down. So I think it is fitting that purpose quite well. Um, from our perspective, we, we try and have a blend of stocks. So for us, valuation is what matters. We have a consistent valuation for every stock, the way we value them. Um, but then we own stocks on 60 times PE if we can justify the valuation, think there's upside, and then we'll own stuff that's you know, very, very cheap. We have the full spectrum. Uh, so Inogen sort of just fits in that bucket of being you know, contrarian. It's really contrarian growth, which is kind of an odd stock. And it, funnily enough, it's those stocks that have almost been dealt with the harshest because these growth guys won't tolerate stocks going nowhere for a month, right? <laughs> like they have to keep going up every month, otherwise it's no good to me. And so some of these growth stocks that have cracked are, are actually where we're really enjoying picking them up. And, you know, one thing we think we do that's quite different to other managers is we'll do the work, we'll value the stock, and then we'll watch them. And if we think it's too expensive, we'll just wait. And I think that's a bit of a lost art out there. People just buy it today because they think it's going up. You know, they see a chart going bottom left to top right and they go, oh my God, I've got to own it. I mean, even I could be guilty of this too, though. Once you've spent a lot of time on something, I mean, you're probably a bit more sophisticated than me. You do want to whack because you've just sunk 30 or 40 hours into it. It's, it's a pain in the ass to feel like that's just a waste of, you know, a waste of a week. Um, you do have to catch yourself from just wanting to act then because it's it's often not necessarily the right move. Maybe we need to work for an investment bank for a while. 
<laughs> I don't know about that, Gino. I'm like Batman. I work alone. <laughs> anyway, we digress, mate. But um, thanks again. It's a, it's a great story and it's a good a place as, as any to, to finish and uh, look forward to following Energen's progress. Thanks again, mate. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Gino. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest. Nothing you hear today should be considered investment advice. Please do your own research and seek out your own financial advisor before committing any capital to these markets.